Hi, my name is Byron Cavanaugh. Um, this podcast is referring to uh, our class uh, Beyond Google, and this is Challenge One: uh, Social Media Online, based on social media and uh, online privacy um, in relation to social media platforms. So, to just start off this podcast, uh, I first want to go through the uh, rec- the article that was posted in the uh, outline. Uh, and it essentially talks about committing and and doing a social media audit. So, I wanted to. I obviously uh, chose to record or do an, uh, my own personal audit on my own social media uh, platforms. And um, essentially, what I what I was able to find is I I have a uh, I'm on platform of Facebook, I'm on uh, Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. Uh, and those are actually the only three I'm on. And and doing research, it seems like I am behind the curve and in comparison to other people who are on many, many more platforms. Um, but to give you some reference here, on my Facebook platform, I have over a 1,000 friends. Uh, on my Instagram, over 500 friends, about 563. Uh, and then on my Twitter, uh, it's quite smaller. I only have 143 uh, followers. So and in, in, in terms of my Twitter usage, I'm probably only on there uh, once or twice a month. Uh, and it's to check other uh, actual influencers. Uh, my Facebook, I'm on daily, and as well as my Instagram, I'm also on daily. So those would be my primary ways of you know using social interaction uh, virtually. And uh, it's a very and I use Facebook uh, primarily to communicate um, through other classmates um, or even friends uh, in certain situations. So. And when you look at when you look at some influencers who are on these social media platforms, uh, two main influencers that I've always thought of um, being from from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, one significant influencer is Alex McLean. Alex McLean is uh, two years older than than I am. He's about twenty five years old, uh, and he started. Uh, maybe he's twenty six, but he started um, East Coast Lifestyle. And East Coast Lifestyle is a huge uh, branded. A clothing company in Atlantic Canada, and it's it's grown quite a bit across the East Coast. And um, he's used that business to really build his own personal influence and his own platform uh, through Instagram. And he has uh, uh, several hundred thousand followers, over four hundred thousand followers. Uh, and he he uses uh, those followers to make money um, through influencing campaigns. So he you know he'll represent. Uh, American Express, for example, he'll represent many, many, many shoe companies. Um, so he he is you know capitalized on his his positive PR that he received from his business, and he grew his social media brand from it. Uh, and he's using it uh, and capitalizing on it to make money. Uh, another uh, person influencer who, who's a bit bit of a different route. He's a businessman, but he's using his platform for other reasons, uh, and that's Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump uses Twitter, uh, and he has millions and millions of followers on Twitter, over 10 million followers on Twitter. Uh, and he, and essentially what Trump uses Twitter for is to relay what he's thinking, what he is thinking organically. So beyond what the media says, beyond uh, what his team says, he has certain thoughts. And as we know, he's a very colorful man, and he, uh, he uh, has some interesting things to say. So, and this is evident through his Twitter account. He actually tweets out what he's thinking in response to certain people, certain media stories, 
certain governmental affairs. He responds to this through Twitter, and he lets his his um, audience know what he's thinking. And it has been very, very effective for him. He has he has mastered the social media um, influencing can- uh, platform uh, more so than anyone else that is in- involved in politics. I mean, he has really mastered it. Uh, and this may be built on, you know, inter- his entertainment career um, through TV and through other business dealings. However, it really has been uh, elevated through the election, uh, and he has really capitalized on his follower base to really release what he actually is is thinking, what's on his mind, and um, it's a very fascinating thing. Uh, not sure if it's the best thing in in times. It can be. Can be confusing compared because he he uh, frequently contradicts uh, what he states what he states over Twitter and, and and in front of the media, so it can cause confusion. However, it has seemed to be a pretty effective platform for him. So moving on, um, looking into my own Facebook privacy settings, I wanted to look at Facebook as a primary primarily the one. Uh, that I analyzed with you guys just because it is the primary platform for me. So just to give you guys an idea of what Facebook does here, if you go on your Facebook profile, right on the profile, there's three the three dot symbol, and it says more. If you click on more, you can go to view privacy settings. And right there, Facebook gives you privacy shortcuts. So you can do review, it has an option here to review uh, important privacy settings, learn about your privacy on Facebook, or see more privacy settings. Uh, account security talks about account security uh, you can talk, update your personal information change your password get alerts about unrecognized logins or use two-factor authentication and then add preferences you can actually customize what how Facebook uses your content and your data um, to uh, produce ads and, and content for you um, and then you can actually limit Facebook uh, and how they can actually access your information. And then finally, there's a safety center. Where you can actually you know, find resources for parents, help prevent bullying, um, kind of talks, goes into the whole corporate social responsibility um, type situation. But for this, I'm gonna just quickly walk through um, reviewing my, uh, a few important privacy settings. So when I click on that, it goes, let's start your privacy checkup. Thanks for the time to do this. Now let's go three steps to help make sure you're sharing the info you want to share. So if you press next, whenever you post, it comes up, whenever you post for post, whenever you post from newsfeed or your profile, you can choose an audience to control who sees it. Um, so you can actually choose, choose an audience. And in my current situation, I have public. Um, but I can actually change that to friends, friends on Facebook. And I am going to change that right now because I did not know that my content could be actually accessed by the public and not just my friends. This way now I can actually limit when people access my information who can see it. Moving on in your profile, each piece of information has a option to change who sees it. So you either your friends, public, whatever. So what pub- in my profile, what publicly what people can see is they can see my education, which I'm all right with, I think. Um, and then all the other information I have, so birthday, email, phone, uh, hometown, what am I, who I'm interested in, all that can be seen only by my friends, but you can change it 
to public if you want to. Uh, however, I'm not going to be doing that because I don't want people to know um, those detailed uh, personal information. And to be honest, I am a little hesitant to keep um, certain information. I mean, certain information seems to be uh, irrelevant information for people to know. For example, interested in women is what I have, but I'm not really sure why. I guess it is a, pro a personal profile, but still it seems like a irrelevant piece of information. Finally, you can go to apps and websites. And here are apps and websites from other companies that you've used Facebook to log into. So you can edit who on Facebook can see the apps and websites that you use and also remove any you don't want to. So I can I have a bunch of uh, apps here. Several of them are already actually already under only me can see. Uh, but some are public, like GoFundMe um, and TripAdvisor. Um, and, and BlackBerry smartphones app. So, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't really uh, mind that. Um, so moving on. So there you go. Privacy checkup is complete. So you press close there, and that's my privacy settings. So you can see here, it's a pretty simple process um, for someone to complete, uh, to, to do a privacy, to check their privacy settings uh, and really change them how they feel um, because, you know, Facebook has some standardized uh, settings and other uh, platforms have standardized settings, which, you know, you may probably, you probably would prefer um, to not be uh, in the position that they are and actually change to more private settings. So, and it's very important to understand, you know, social media and privacy is a huge, huge, huge issue right now. Uh, and it is surrounded since these social media platforms existed. People have all their personal information on there. They have their family, their children, their pets, their job, their education, their girlfriend or boyfriend. They have everything on there. Uh, and a lot of information is available to public unbeknownst to them. Um, so that's a huge issue. And, they, and they, people get upset because, you know, oh, right, uh, people are, are seeing my information. But they've actually allowed this through Facebook. And Facebook, it gives you a lot of opportunity to, to change these. Uh, people just aren't doing it. And then, you know, the other thing is privacy becomes an issue. Facebook is making money off your information. So th these free websites, these freemium websites, you're putting your profile on and you're using it for free. Well, they're using your information. They're using the data, the content you like, the content you share. Uh, and they are assess essentially customizing the content you see. So, I mean, that's a huge issue for people too. They don't like to see, for example, ads um, pop up just because they've been on Facebook talking about it or, or even talking about it not on Facebook. Um, so there's a huge issue there in terms of privacy and how, how Facebook uses your information. Uh, and even going back towards um, the election, there's a lot of talk about social media and how certain campaigns manipulate election results. So finally, it ties right into your reputation. So social media, your reputation can be ruined overnight on social media. I mean, the issue is, um, a as Winston Churchill says, a lie reaches ar halfway around the world uh, before the truth can wake up. So essentially, if it, it, this falls into the a later record, a later podcast on fake news, but essentially anything uh, you do can be shared on Facebook, or anything you don't do, which is fake news, essentially can be shared across the world. And a false perception of you could be made, or you know what's true about you can be quickly released to the world uh, without you wanting to. Um, so it, it really has a huge uh, effect on your reputation, and you need to be careful about what you do, what you share, uh, and what you say. And that is uh, all we have for today. Thanks. Hi, this is Byron Cavanaugh, B0069756. 
for this podcast of my class beyond google uh we are i am doing challenge two uh which is referring to group work uh so throughout the semester we worked on a group project uh with assigned group members um and my group uh specifically uh we we seem to have a very good group um very good group members um for the most part worked very very well uh, and we were successful in handing in our project uh, and I'm sure we were successful in, 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 a gr in terms of uh, academic grades. But in terms of uh, my experiences uh, working in a group, uh, specifically this semester, um, and answering the question, how would, you how would I describe myself in terms of my ability to work as a team member? Um, I would describe myself as a, a very, actually I would consider myself a very good uh, team member. Um, I, I typically go the extra mile to have clear communication with my members, um, and that's to do anything to do with completing work, uh, meeting, um, and other commitments. Um, and uh, uh, secondly, I have I, I, I show accountability. Um, so when we're planning meetings, um, I really do try my best um, to make them on time, uh, and if I if not, to at least let people know uh, and be apologetic for uh, missing these meetings. And for example, um, you know, I, I believe I, uh, for this group project, I, I put in a significant amount of work, uh, editing, uh, and actually producing content. So I think in, in terms of my experience in working in groups, especially in this semester, I have actually uh, experienced, had good experiences so far, uh, and, and I would consider myself as a strong team player uh, who, who typically takes who is okay with taking uh, an extra workload um, to alleviate the stress of the rest of the group. Um, in terms of uh, an example of something other team members learned from me uh, that they probably would not have learned without me. Um, well, for example, you know, it was very convenient that our project group project had to be done on a real estate uh, brokerage. I have a, a pretty strong passion in real estate and I've had a strong passion in real estate since I was a pretty young, pretty young boy, um, and it's something I want to get into in terms of my career. So one thing that I really did help the group with was uh, certain insights into real estate uh, topics and theories, and what specifically to look up uh, and where to find information. Uh, so really, my knowledge of real estate I think was, um, you know, something my team members learned from me and and, and took uh, great value in um, when creating the project. In terms of my skills, so going back in terms of how I was as a team member, uh, one thing I did mention was, was meetings. But however, I did have the, uh, a lot of things going on this semester. I'm in six courses, uh, and I had a lot of family things going on. Um, so I was, uh, I did find myself uh, occasionally being late to meetings or even unexpectedly having to meet, miss meetings. Um, so one thing I think I need to really improve on is you know when I set a meeting time and agree to a meeting time that's the time I, I have to agree to um, and then I, any, anything beyond that uh, on the outside world I have to um, I have to solve um, outside of my group work I mean I think once I've agreed to a time the group priority comes first um, and I sh unless it's a real emergency um, so I think I think I, w I should just be more prepared in scheduling my timing and be really really allocate a good amount of time both before the start and after the start or after the uh, completion of the meeting um and moving forward 
you know, looking back on the term, what, you know, what piece of advice would I give the students on how to develop their teamwork skills in this course? Uh, so three things I think that are huge for this course being that it's virtual um, and, you know, a lot of communication is done through the social media platforms. Uh, three things I really look at is communication, an even workload, and effective time management. Those are the three key things, I think, to any group project. Communication is key. You need to be able to communicate who's doing what, when are we meeting, you know, what topic are we doing, what information are we going to use, all that. Um, and even workload. I mean, it is very important that people are felt like they are not unfairly um, being taken advantage of in a group. I mean, a typical issue with group work this, these days are, you know, certain a few members might not uh, do as much work as other members. Uh, and that becomes an issue, especially through grading um, in terms of having a fair allocated grade. Uh, and, you know, and there's sometimes opportunities where, you know, some people's parts are just simply larger than others. Uh, and then the people doing the larger parts feel like they're doing uh, more work, um, but when, you know, the other person simply just doesn't have to complete as much work. Uh, and then effective time management. I mean, a lot of issues, with, there's four uh, group member projects should be easy with how many people are available to do the work. Uh, but what is issue is, is people take advantage of that and they take too long and they procrastinate and groups procrastinate like crazy. Uh, and then it's left to the last minute and work is, is, very, is not very well done because um, you have people doing different parts uh, and they all throw it into one paper. The writing's different, the flow's different. And there's not enough time to edit it and, and to make it sound like a consistent paper uh, and your the grade ends up being affected. So effective time management, the project should be completed well before the due date. So there's enough time for the, each member to go over and edit it, um, take turns editing it until there's a final, final report. So to conclude, um, in terms of working with a group, uh, I, I, I thought my group mem members were quite good. And uh, I, I actually value myself. I think I personally think I'm a good group member um, in most cases. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously always uh, opportunity for issues to arise, uh, especially with groups that are not um, chosen by the members but actually selected by another third party. Uh, this can, can run into problems and... and, uh, and uh, there needs to be certain things that to address it. And like I said, communication, even workload, and effective time management. If those three things are touched on frequently, then a group should be able to perform adequately uh, and produce a good quality of work. And that concludes uh, this podcast. Thank you. Hi, this is Byron Kavanaugh, B006975666. Uh, for this uh, Beyond Google podcast, uh, we will be doing Challenge 4. Uh, evaluating information sources. Uh, so through this uh, this challenge, uh, we're asked to essentially uh, answer a few questions relating uh, to uh, an article that was posted there. Uh, and one one of the questions was, "What does the phrase fake news mean?" Uh, and this phrase fake news it really wasn't used uh, a few years ago, four or five years ago. Uh, it was rarely, rarely used. It wasn't popularized. Um, however, ever since the 2016 election, Donald Trump has been killing it. He loves the, the phrase. Um, he's been, it's been his go-to response to a lot of the negative media that has surrounded him over the years. 
and essentially, what the uh, what the definition of a uh, uh, fake news is? It's essentially it's false stories, propaganda, uh, largely uh, shared on social media, and, and it can also be consi considered or characterized, um, defined in a way where uh, someone uses it if uh, any information comes out that they find critical of themselves, they'll use the, th the term uh, as a defense mechanism. Um, so fake news, and, and, and as, you can, as you know, we've heard a lot of it, a lot of uh, talk about fake news, uh, largely surrounding the election um, and uh, certain topics relating to the election, and uh, including Russian metal, uh, inclusion, uh, finance, uh, finance issues with Donald Trump, uh, and, and other things of that sort. The other question we were asked to uh, answer was, what does post-truth mean? Uh, and this is, this is interesting because post-truth uh, can be confused with fake news. Um, post-truth is essentially, it's taking the truth and bending it. And and appeal and take instead of taking certain um, factual uh, factual points and and situations, they use information that appeals to people's emotions. Uh, so the actual de definition is relate reacting to or denoting circ circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion. And personal belief. Uh, so, what another word that you could describe this is as identity politi politics, uh, and that has also really been present in um, uh, media today, especially United States media. Um, there is a, a primary election going on for the Democratic Party, and there are numerous, numerous people running. Uh, and what has been a common thing for these uh, candidates are. Uh, conducting identity politics. And what that means is essentially they are appealing to certain uh, demographic groups, even though the situation may, the promise may be unrealistic or uh, what they're claiming is unrealistic, however you have it, they're essentially appealing to a voter base uh, over the facts of, you know, certain uh, real situations, real facts, and present situations and present um, problems that need to be addressed. So moving on, um, the, the fake news, fake news or the inaccurate news has, has really filled our social media platforms over the last two years. Uh, and the media has become quite divided. I mean, there's two, two types of media nowadays. There isn't a uh, bipartisan media. There are two different medias. There is a uh, conservative media and there's a liberal media. Uh, and they both obviously have, obviously have conflicting views. Uh, and it can be very confusing to people who watch both programs, for example. It's hard to grasp which is the, what is the truth and what isn't. Um, and that's become a very big problem as we move on into the future. Uh, people, have, people I know have fallen for shared uh, fake or inaccurate news of some kind. Uh, and that's because it's everywhere. And going back to the identity politics, I mean, a lot of a lot of these politicians are are forcing this information out there, and it may not be accurate. I mean, on both sides, conservative and liberal. Conservative, you have 
If you look at the environmental issue, you have conservatives who are completely denying uh, climate change, who are saying it's a hoax. Um, but then you have the liberals who are really, really um, uh, over, overreacting the issue, if, if you will. For example, you have AOC, uh, who is a congressional woman uh, from New York. She implemented or proposed the Green New Deal uh, and claiming that the world will come to an end in 12 years. Uh, and that, that is just incorrect information. Uh, and she shared it. And she's using it as identity politics, and she's using it to radicalize voters. Uh, and that is a, 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 an example of fake news that you know is being shared. I mean, the world is not going to end in 12 years. Uh, and a lot of the plans to fix these issues that she's suggesting are a little unre- are, are ridiculously unrealistic. Um, so you can see that, you know, but, but it's very attractive to a lot of voter base. And they say they see the 12 years of the world's ending and it's very scary. Uh, and it's shared. And people, you know, are really big fans of her because they think she is, is really inducing change. Another example are um, uh, the Russian collusion. I mean, for years we've been hearing about Russian collusion, Russian collusion, Russian collusion. Uh, and then there is a special... Council uh, investigate special investigation done on on the Russian collusion um, by a Democrat by a uh, long long life Democrat um, by a team full of Democrats and they released that there was no collusion so and yet there's still denial so it's just there is a lot of this identity politics people are trying to appeal to one side of the voter base uh, and it's working and it's and it's what's really highlighted this fake news and it's really made media. Um, media platforms unreliable for information, and this is a huge issue. I mean, it's 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 a, becomes a very scary thing when we cannot tell real news from fake news. Um, it creates a dangerous environment uh, with people who are misinformed, um, and it can cause radicalization. Uh, you know, and and the real news is is at war with fake news, and it's causing more harm than good. Um, and it, it, it makes you wonder how far until all news is uncredible and and, uh, and and useless to watch. I mean, it is. It seems to be coming close to that point. Um, and going back on the whole dangerous environment. I mean, fake news. It, it can cause you hear about people um, these these mass shootings uh, rising, and and they are and these people are blaming uh, radical radical politicians. So it's a very scary, very scary, radical fake news. So it's a very scary, scary thing, um, you know, that this information can be passed around the world uh, and be put into people's minds, that, and, and, and that's the only information they're getting. They're not getting any other uh, information to counter that um, first piece of information they got. So then their mind is made up of, of the issue, and uh, it might be wrong, and it could cause harm to other people. So to conclude... Uh, it's 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 easy to say that it's uh, it's a very touching issue um, to get uh, real information over the fake information, uh, and and one suggestion I think that we just need to do is you know just check your facts. Um, you see one story, we'll search it for on another media platform. It's preferably a different um, different uh, political pre- preference, so a, a non-biased. Um, way of researching news would be the best way for doing it. And uh, this concludes our uh, fourth challenge. Thank you.
Hello, my name is Byron Cavanaugh, B00697566. Uh, for this podcast, we are doing Challenge 5, uh, which talk, documents essentially talking about my experience with uh, seeking information uh, over the last three days. Uh, and this is for the Beyond Google final report. Um, so in this, in this uh, podcast, I'm going to essentially give you a rundown of essentially the 10 most common uh, occurrences when I was looking and seeking information. So the first one, uh, in no particular order here, um, these are all you know, very separate, inf- uh, separate situations uh, where I was really just looking for basic information. Uh, and in, in terms of using and finding these informations, my primary original source was Google. Uh, is what I started with, and from there I moved on. And I will show you. For example, um, I'm going through uh, an issue with my uh, dog. My family dog has uh, become ill, is very old, uh, and she had a bit of a medical issue, and I had to quickly um, figure out the emergency vet number. Uh, and to do that, I went on Google, and of course um, I was given uh, incorrect, an incorrect number, uh, which was not updated. And I think looking back on that, uh, you know, I didn't first rely on the actual website that was given. I relied on the first number that popped up on Google. And if, however, that number was for a different uh, facility, not the one I was looking for. Um, so I was slower in receiving the information, so I, I guess I wasn't successful. I had to go back and actually look for the number again, which slowed everything down. Um, and I think if, if I looked back on it, I would have been more successful if I simply typed in Halifax Emergency Veterinarian, and I would have been the most local and current phone number. Another situation would be, uh, would be going and, and searching uh, for a certain detail in one of my course outlines. Uh, and to do that, I went on Google, went on Brightspace, signed on to Brightspace, searched, went on to the co- individual course, searched for the actual outline, uh, and downloaded the outline and was able to uh, download and copy and paste certain information from the, from the outline. Um, so I was successful in finding it. Uh, I don't think it was the most effective way of doing it. I think if I had actually downloaded the outline in the original point or uh, had it as uh, on my desktop, it would have a file on my desktop. It would have been much more efficient. However, I um, tend to be much slower and, and inefficient with these certain things, and I go on the site uh, and actually have to take the time to search for it. Um, so, you know, searching this online and through Brightspace, I mean, I, obviously there's room for improvement. Uh, another. Uh, Situation: we, Me and my group are doing a project on the uh, Dollar Salary Club, um, in which that essentially talks about CEOs who take a dollar salary. Uh, and in searching information, I I wanted to, uh, I had a an opinion. I thought that there was um, some misperception misperceptions in terms of the dollar salary. Um, so when searching online, looking for contrasts of the dollar salary of why people take dollar salary, I had trouble finding the tip the specific. Um, Content that I was looking for. Specifically, I was looking for why, why reasons why CEOs take a dollar, and, and specifically different reasons. Um, and to do that, I should have 
uh, searched, I was successful eventually when I searched uh, the dollar salary club ruse. Uh, and that I found only used ruse because I was actually saw an article that referenced a, the dollar salary club ruse. And I thought, well, that kind of fits my description. So I searched it. And long behold, I was successful finding the information that I needed to find. I think if I was uh, to be more efficient in that, I think I would have um, have to have already known the ruse um, terminology or, um, you know, been more creative in terms of my referencing. Another point would be uh, working in my project management class, um, searching uh, the virtual textbook online, which can be very difficult. It's actually much more inefficient than checking a hard copy textbook. Um, just because of flipping through pages online is much more difficult. Finding the right page, uh, there's inaccuracies in terms of your page uh, on the tab, on your actual internet tab, compared to the actual page in the textbook. So there is a lot of issues with uh, online textbooks in terms of look, searching for the information. Um, I was successful. It, it took a lot longer, though, than um, it would have if I just had a textbook in front of me where I was able to flip through the pages or use the table of contents. Another example would be uh, Viewpoint. Viewpoint is a real estate uh, listing website. Uh, it's a site I go on daily. Um, first of all, I, I tend to go on there just to see if there is any new listings uh, for the day in terms of houses for sale, sold, or conditional offers pending. Um, I go on there to seek that information, but I also use the information, the website, um, to, to search specific details on specific homes and specific properties. Uh, and it's very useful for that. You're able to actually pick the property you want uh, and click on it, and then there's actually specific information for you um, available. So that I was very, I'm very successful and, and very good at using the site, and I think it's and a very useful site in terms of finding information uh, related to the local real estate market. Uh, the next one is a bit of a pairing, counts as two. It's, it's Google Maps and Kijiji. So I was using Kijiji uh, to search for a uh, certain golf club that I was interested in acquiring, uh, and I found it. I searched, golf, uh, searched the name of the golf club in the Kijiji search bar, and there it was. It popped right up. It was the first thing that popped up. Uh, and I was interested in buying it, and I communicated with the person through the Kijiji platform, uh, and he received, he gave me his address to come pick it up, essentially, and pay for it. Um, so what I had to do, though, was to actually use Google Maps, because I didn't know where this address was. Uh, and what Google Maps did was it showed me exactly where it was, and it gave me um, real-time directions to the location. So I was successful in, in, in using both apps, um, and both apps are very, very uh easy to use um, and very efficient um, in terms of selling and buying certain things. Um, the next one would be uh, a group meeting I had via Facebook Messenger. Um, you know, this information we were seeking, we were, we were trying to figure out you know, what, who would be doing the final outcomes of the project. Um, it was a very successful meeting. Uh, we were able to do it virtually on uh, through audio and through uh, writing down uh, messages. And it's a very clear and real-time way to communicate. So we were very successful in, in doing that and, and, and getting across um, the proper information and, and being clear in communication. Uh, the, another one would be Brightspace. Um, so I've actually already talked about Brightspace, the course outline. 
uh, but actually Brightspace in relatively speaking, I would go, I would go on Brightspace daily uh, and that is just to, to check marks um, really uh, we are at the end of the term uh, and, and, and that is something, you know, these marks pop up without real notifications to yourself unless um, there's a way to do it, but I'm uh, unbeknownst to me. But I have to go on and actually check uh, if my marks have been updated, and that's something I've been doing daily, and, um, and it's been a very common thing. Um, email, another one that I've had to email a couple professors. Uh, and email is a very efficient way to communicate with people. Uh, you're able to type out what you're, you're thinking, uh, and you're also able to attach certain files and, um, and um, data to the emails, which can be very useful in terms of sharing information. Um, so in terms of me, I was going on email uh, to actually communicate uh, with a professor and uh, answer a certain question on a project, which was answered um, within the day. Um, so I was successful. However, email can obviously be unsuccessful if people uh, are unable to see your message or do not respond. Uh, and then finally, the last experience would be registering for summer courses. So I have to register for, for a few online summer courses. Uh, so I had to use the Dow Online website uh, to register for these courses. Uh, and the Dow Online website can be difficult to use. Uh, it times out frequently, and it's, it's confusing at times. So uh, I did have initial difficulty um, finding out, you know, certain information of what courses were actually available in the summer. Um, but eventually through you know perseverance I was able to eventually be successful in finding the information I wanted uh, and I was successful in actually registering um, the course so you can see there there's 10 you know significant significant um, situations uh, where you know and, and in terms of searching I was able to you know use certain behaviors uh, and resources in doing so so in, in conclusion um, you know it is a constant occurrence, us searching for myself, searching for information, and I'm sure other people. Uh, and we and there's times where we don't even realize we're doing it. Um, so certainly, my, the course has improved my ability to do so, um, and has probably made things more efficient as I reflect back on my information-seeking practices. And that concludes this podcast. Hi, my name's Byron Cavanaugh, B006975666. Uh, in the last in the last podcast uh, episode today, we are doing challenge six, um, which is reflecting on my statement, essentially the statement of learning, uh, of personal learning, uh, which is, you know, in reference to what did I take away from the course? Uh, how did I grow as a student? You know, um, where did I, what did I learn? What did I really learn from this course? So as I look back over the semester, um, you know, I think an area of personal growth for me was, you know, definitely the resources that were given in the course. I mean, the weekly modules um, had a lot of, lot of information on some very, very interesting topics as to, um, related to the course. Um, specifically, one thing that really stuck out to me was the, the, the module relating to digital literacy. Uh, and how we rely so heavily on digital literacy. However, um, you know, we rely almost too much and that the future might actually show that going back to traditional reading methods on paper uh, might actually be more efficient. Um, so I think as in terms of personal growth, 
using the information and the resources that were given in the course, I was able to better um, search for information that was accurate, um, search for the right information that I was looking for, um, and it helped me not only in Beyond Google but beyond in other courses. So, and I think that was the goal of the course. It helped, really helped me, especially in my last year, um, to really master um, these research and final projects in other courses. And another thing I improved on, I think, would be mastering their virtual group situation. So, you know, being an online course, uh, our group largely, largely, largely acted uh, and worked virtually on Google Docs and in Facebook. I mean, we met once, probably, just once, uh, but everything else was done virtually. And, you know, this was, I enjoyed doing this because this is a realistic and common thing in the corporate world today, in these group virtual groups for certain projects um, and it is it's, it is proven to be difficult to communicate and, and difficult to actually get work completed but I think using this course uh, I was really able to get good experience doing that and kind of I think you know sort of mastered it, a, a, a technique at doing that as a student I think I've learned to be patient um, you know I I'm this is the hardest semester I've been in uh, it's and I've also taken two online courses so I've learned to be patient. I've overcome, you know, the stress that is, and the, the and the issues that are affected that cause um, issues in school, especially with assignments and stuff like that. I've really kind of been able to sit back, uh, overcome the stress, and actually just concentrate on getting my work done. Um, and that's been really important for me. I think that's especially moving on in the world. I mean, things are they're gonna be stressful times, um, and really stress just makes you more ineff inefficient. Um, so as long as you br kind of brush off the stress and just concentrate on doing your thing, um, you should be successful. Finally, I think uh, I, I took more of a leading role uh, in group projects, not only in Beyond Google but beyond in other courses as well. Uh, and I think that is as was a big change for me. I, I usually been taking a back seat, letting kind of other people take the lead. But this year, I really, really concentrated on taking a, a lead and it has actually improved the grades of uh, group projects that I've been imp involved with. Um, you know, I, I need to be more, I've realized I need to be more confident, self-confident, and, and I'm a knowledgeable person and I, and I did, should share my information that I have. So that was a, a really big one for me um, and that I really appreciate from, from taking it from this course. So the course was used, uh, used a problem-based learning approach. Um, which obviously can be very frustrating to students. Uh, but my reaction to it was, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I actually enjoy this way of learning a lot more than your traditional, you know, outlined way of learning. Uh, I, I think it, it creates a more organic learning environment um, in terms of, you know, people are able to really, really think about what the, the situation is and the problem is and not rely on someone else's opinion. Um, they're able to kind of look at the information that's in front of them and we were able to really discuss, you know, what our opinion was and, and, and how we took information and how we understand other people's um, information. So I think that was a, a really strong part of the class. Um, so I think the strategy was, was definitely uh, somewhat successful or mostly successful. I think where there could be improvements um, be made would be, you know, although I, do, I said I enjoy the learning style, I think there needs to be a little bit more structure to go along with it. Um, you know, it, it tends to, I think, if there was a little bit more structure paired with the organic structure just to push people in the right direction, 
um, I think it would go a long, long way in terms of improving the course. Um, if I were to give a piece of advice uh, to students taking the course next time, uh, simply I would just say, you know, take your time, use your time wisely, uh, especially when conducting the assignments. Um, you know, don't overthink things. You know, the, the class is largely discussion and it's largely uh, recommendations. So, you know, you have some room here to really just think about your own opinion, how you take the information down, and what your findings are. So I think, you know, just take your time, make sure you adequately use enough time to complete the assignments, but don't overthink things and don't get stressed if you think they're hard, uh, difficult assignments. And, 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 and finally, you know, um, the professor who teaches the course, she's been amazing. So she's been very good and very clear communication. She's been very understanding and, um, and she's been always willing to help. So I think if, as long as you use the resources of the course, uh, use the professor or ask the professor for help if you need to, uh, you'll do just great. Um, I think by the end of the semester, in terms of how I approach my work, what I spoke on earlier, I mean, actually searching for information, searching for, um, for searching for sources for other projects. I think that was how I really changed my approach to the work. Uh, I really kind of took more time making sure the information was accurate and, and would actually add quality to my paper. Um, you know, one thing I think I, I learned, and it's kind of tying into the things I spoke on earlier, but one thing I, I think I can learn from the course I can apply in future courses uh, or in the real world, as they say, is what I spoke on earlier in terms of the virtual group experience. I think, you know, this is going to be such a dominant thing, um, a occurrence in the business world, in education, and, and health, etc. I think these group projects virtually um, relaying information is, is going to be a very dominant thing. So I think having the experience of kind of, okay, this is what, it, you know, just is a basic, basic experience of how a virtual group will work. Uh, it really gave me insight of the difficulty, the complexity of it, uh, and you know, it, it, I think it's prepared me a bit more to expect, um, you know, you know, some hard, some it, some very difficult but very um, rewarding experiences working in groups. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, in terms of my personal goals, academically, professional, and personal, um, I was re very happy to see uh, that this information, the details of the course were largely relevant um, to future technology and digital literacy examples. Uh, another one, um, the fact that real estate was the topic of the project was very, very beneficial to me. Um, and, you know, in terms of academic, it was a very reasonably marked course, I think, um, in terms of the professor who was very, you know, like I said, organically and uh, opinionated. So it, that helps in terms of your mark. If you really just apply yourself, I think you'll do quite well in the course. Um, so in terms of my goals, it really met my personal goals. I have, you know, it, it touched on a lot of my interests. Um, academically, I think I'll do pretty well in the course. Um, so that'll add to my GPA, which is great. And then professionally, I mean, the whole virtual group um, conversation I had earlier, that is going to be, you know, uh, invaluable to my, my experience in the workforce. Um, so... Uh, in conclusion, great course, and I would recommend it to anyone. And that concludes our last podcast for the day. Thank you.